I have the great privilege and honour to introduce our um, speaker with this morning. Um, Dave Schultz is going to share a word with us. Dave and Tegan have been members of our church for a long, long time. Um, they have uh, been connect leaders or are connect leaders, have been and are. <laughs> Um, they look after new people coming in, so you will have all been welcomed by them at some stage. Dave has been on our exec past, and uh, they are just great, great people. So why don't you give a hand as Dave comes and get ready for a word this morning. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Pastor Julie. Thank you. Morning, everybody. Morning. Hope you uh, have had a good start. Sit down if you like. Uh, No, please sit down, even if you don't want to. And thanks to the band again. Oh, no. They were in order. That's okay. So I've been given the uh, privilege today of uh, talking about resetting your finances. And uh, one of the things that... I've always found when it's come to a message about finances is that it's pretty easy to start squirming in your seat a little bit because finances are one of those things that we all need. Um, They make the world go round because without money, it actually becomes a little bit difficult. So we do have to talk about it, but one of the things that I've always found is that if we talk about money before we talk about why we have it, we always end up starting at the wrong point and one of the things that we do at work is we always talk to our clients starting from the end and working backwards because if you don't have a reason for having money or you don't understand why you have it it becomes very difficult to actually fit it into the spot that it actually belongs in your world so we do that a lot at work and and For all of the clients that we talk to, we always find that if they come to us too late in the process, they've actually ended up somewhere where they didn't want to go, where they didn't mean to be. And the hard bit about that is it's very hard to get back to where they need to go. So today what I want to do is I actually want to change, a little bit like Julie Sampson did the other week, I want to rename the title of this message, Resetting Your Generosity. Because if we don't actually have generosity, then we actually lose the whole concept of community. We lose the concept of what our finances mean to us. And our world becomes so small that we actually end up having no ability to do anything with the finances that we actually do have. So I want to start from a point of generosity. And you know when you're on the right track when the senior pastor of your church basically preaches your message the week before. So I know that I'm going to go okay today. So let me just pray before we start. Mighty God, thank you that we have the opportunity to have finance, that we can use that for the right thing. But Lord, I just pray that today you speak through me to encourage each and every one of us to be able to be generous with what it is that we have. Amen. Okay. So I've got some pictures that Josh is going to put up for us. Uh, But there's a story that back in 2005, a young guy by the name of Kyle McDonald, and some of you may know him, you may know this story. He started off on a journey where he wanted to get himself into a house. But what he wanted to do uh, differently was that he didn't want to just save up a deposit for this house and go and and, uh, get a loan from the bank and buy his house. He wanted to work his way through a process of actually helping other people get what they wanted so that he would eventually end up getting what it was that he wanted, which was his house. So 
the first thing he did, and he had, he had something, and what he had was a little red paper clip. And what he, his first thing he did is he traded this little red paper clip here for a pen that was in the shape of a fish. So that's the pen that he traded into. Soon after that, he then traded that uh, pen for a handmade doorknob, which looks like it was made by one of his kits. It is. <laughs> but obviously, the person who gave him the doorknob needed the pen. Okay? He then traded that doorknob in for a Coleman camp stove. A little bit later, he traded that camp stove right there for a generator. And as you can see, that as he's trading, he's trading up. But the people who actually took the Coleman camp stove and gave him that obviously needed the, camp, the Coleman camp stove. Soon after that, he then traded that generator for an instant party, which was a, uh, an empty keg with an IOU to fill it with beer and a Budweiser a neon sign. He then traded that, which I thought this was a pretty good trade. He traded it for a ski do snowmobile. So that was his next trade. Okay, so whoever had that wanted the party, didn't they? <laughs> Soon after that, he traded that snowmobile for a two-person trip to Yak, Y-A-H-K, in British Columbia. Yak. And then he traded one of, the one of those spots on the trip, because obviously he wanted to go, for a box truck. Another good trade. That, that box truck was then traded for a year's rent in Phoenix, Arizona. I don't have a picture of a rental agreement there. But he then traded that, and I'm not sure if this was a trade-up or not, but he traded the rental agreement for an afternoon with Alice Cooper. Okay, there's Alice Cooper. After that, that was traded for a KISS motorised snow globe. The snow globe was traded for an, an acting position in the film Donna on Demand. I haven't gone to check out whether, what sort of movie that is. Um, but he then, on his 15th trade, after helping all of these people get what it was that they wanted, traded himself into a house in Kipling, Saskatchewan. And I thought to myself, this guy started with a red paper clip and he helped all of these people the whole way through. There were 15 trades. It took him a year to do it. It's the story uh, that you can Google it. It's called the red paper clip. It's really quite interesting when you read about it. That the motivation that this guy had wasn't just to go and buy himself a house. He wanted to go through the process of helping other people get what it was that they needed so that he could end up with, it, with what it was that he wanted. Now, when I started in financial planning um, a long time ago. There was a, there was a guy who was sort of known at that point of time as the sort of master of sales and his name was Zig Ziglar. Some of you may have heard of him. But Zig said that you can have anything in life that you want if only you help another people, enough other people get in life what it is that they want. Now he was a Christian but he was also a businessman and understood the concept of actually being generous, understanding the importance of actually going out of your way to do something for somebody else, which will ultimately come back to reward you. Now, this is all great, but we're here in church, so we're going to have a look now at what the Bible says about that. And I want uh, you to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 to 8. And a lot of us would know this um, passage because it's one that's used quite a lot when it comes to tithing. And as much as this is not a tithing message, it's about tithing 
as much as it's about generosity, as much as it's about resetting your finances. So chapter 6 says, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, we've all heard that one before, I'm sure. The message translation says, remember, a stingy planter gets a stingy crop and a lavish planter gets a lavish crop. Now, we've had a little bit of rain lately and all the farmers are out planting the seed into the ground at the moment. None of them would be thinking to themselves, I'm only going to put half of the seed in the ground and hopefully get a full crop. They will put everything into the ground because they know that if they do that and they have a bumper crop, they'll have more. But if they don't put it all in and they don't have a bumper crop, they'll have even less and they would have wasted all of their time and effort. And when it comes to being generous, that's what that's talking about. It's saying we can't hold back anything that we actually shouldn't be keeping for ourselves. And I remember growing up, we grew up on a farm just out of Victor Harbour and mum and dad had a vegetable garden that would have been as big as this auditorium here. And we would end up having to help them out there because we needed to make sure that we had some food but mum and dad every weekend would take boxes of food to various people around the place because they were generous people now i think i'm reasonably generous and fortunately i've married tegan who's also generous but what's happening when you look through the generations is we've got kids who are generous now we've got uh, we've got Hayden, who can't not be generous, Hayden could find $20 on the ground and rather than putting it in his pocket, he'd go and spend it at the canteen at the football and buy buy things for everybody else, including himself. And then we've got Aubrey, and we're not forgetting Zali, she's generous as well, but I didn't come up with an example. (laughs) But in fact, funnily, um, Jono over the back thought Zali was my niece rather than my daughter. So... (laughs) Maybe I left her out for a reason, I don't know. <laughs> no, I haven't. We love Zali very much. She's generous with the little kids. Yes, that's right. Anyway, Aubrey, she'll paint, uh, draw pictures. Shane and Anna have got one on their wall. Lockie and Emily do as well now because she's generous. And when you look at the, the, uh, the seeds that were planted by my parents, it goes all the way through. And that's the crop that actually grows from the effort that we do. The passage goes on to say, uh, verse 7, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, because God loves a cheerful giver. It's a little bit what Pastor Julie was talking about before. Now, the message version, and I like going between the versions uh, just to see what they say. The message version says, I want each and every one of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own mind what you'll give. So not under compulsion, not somebody next to you saying you should give a certain amount of money or I give this much, so why don't you give that much? You need to make up your own mind. And I don't know about you, but if we decided to go for a walk down the main street of Handorf after church and we're walking past Otto's and we looked up and we saw the volunteers standing at the front of the IGA with the pull-up sign asking for donations for little fluffy dogs or whatever it is. Um, I would be across the other side of the road as quick as you can. Because, not that I don't like little fluffy dogs, but I actually don't have a generous heart when people come and ask me for money. 
particularly those situations. However, if I've made up my mind that I want to be generous to somebody and I'm going to give that to them, whether that be financial or, or my time or something, I can't wait to get there or I can't wait for those people to turn up. And that's what this passage is saying is don't be reluctant about it. You're better off not giving than reluctantly giving than you are um, to have a good spirit about it and actually want to do it. It goes on to say in verse 8, and this is, the, this is why this verse is almost backwards because this is the outcome of the giving. Verse 8 says, And God will be able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now, I just want to break that down because it says here, God will bless you abundantly. Okay, that's a given. We understand, we understand that and that he wants to do it. However, for, for us, when we actually think about our situation and about the challenges sometimes of being generous, because most of the time we see generosity as the need to give money or to, to be able to bless people with money, but it might not just be money. So if God can bless us because we're being generous and we've done that with a good spirit... It says here, so that in all things, and that's not some things, that's all things, that means it's not missing anything, and at all times, which is all the time, not some of the time, you'll have all that you need, not some of what you need, you'll have all of what you need, and you will then abound in every good work. So the outcome is, wherever you are and whatever you're doing, you'll have all that you need. Now, it might not be that you have everything that you want, and there's a difference between what you need and what you want, okay? But you'll have all that you need, and because you've got all, you, you, all that you need, you can go and do every good work. And if you go and do all the good work, you'll be rewarded for that. So you will actually reset your finances. So this is working backwards. And then because you've got reset finances, you can go and be generous. Because you're generous, you'll be blessed. So you'll have all you need. So you can do all your good work. So this thing goes on and on and on. It actually doesn't ever stop. Because we actually have everything we need. Now, what does this have to do with your finances and resetting your finances? Well, it has nothing to do with it if you're focusing on your finances. Okay, because that's not what we should be focusing on. If we're focusing on being generous, generous, that passage we just read before says you will be blessed and you'll have all that you need because you are doing what God has called you to do in being generous. Proverbs 3, 9 to 10 says, Honour the Lord with your wealth, with your first fruits of all your crops, Goes on in, in verse 10 and says, Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Okay, now that is a tithing passage. But it's actually about having a heart of generosity because you will only tithe if you're generous. You might give, but the challenge in tithing is it actually has an amount attached to it. But the amount doesn't matter if you're being generous. And so this is about what the outcome is of being generous. 
Your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Now, the previous verse said you'll have all that you need all the time. This is actually saying, I'm interpreting this as saying you'll have more than you need because your vats, sorry, your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine, which to me sounds like more than we need. Now, he's promised, that promises, all we need to do is be generous. But what also is important to understand is that if he has provided us with everything we need, he's also provided us with the bit that we've got to be generous with. Okay, so this isn't, I'll give you what you need, and then you've got to use some of that to be generous. He's giving you all you need in all situations, which is the bit to be generous with. So if we're going to hold that back, then there's no wonder people who are not generous find things harder. Because they're not actually, they're keeping what God has given them to give to somebody else. And that's what, that's what God's given it to us for, not for us to keep. Hebrews 13 verse 5 says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be, excuse me, and be content with what you have. Because God said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Now, this isn't about not having money. This is about not having a love for money. Now, very different things. There's... A lot of people who we talk to at work, a lot of people that we know who have built up a lot of wealth over time. And we've got clients who will have millions of dollars and not put the heater on in wintertime because they don't want to pay for the electricity or the gas. And I think to myself, well, what is the point of that? You're going to die one day and leave it all behind. And if you leave it to, potentially, if you leave it to the next generation and you've set the example of generosity, they'll probably die with the same amount of money in the bank because they haven't actually learned the art of being generous. Proverbs 11, 24 to 26. One person gives freely and gains even more. Another withholds unduly and comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. People curse the one who hoards grain and they pray God's blessing on the one who is willing to sell. Now this is all about holding on to things that you actually shouldn't be holding on to. Because God has provided and he will provide. I mean we've got numerous stories of being in business or uh, just at home where things have been tight but we've never gone without anything. We might have gone without a few things that we want, but those things are less important to what it is that we actually need. So none of this is about money. It's all about generosity. Money might be the commodity for reward that we use today. You go to work, you get paid in money. Well, electronic money. Um, and that's fine. And it's, it doesn't hurt to have it because... You know, you do need to save. You, there are things that people want to have and there are things that people want to use that money for. But being generous and... Uh, sorry, working without being generous makes work a little bit meaningless. You go there every day, you go home every day 
and that's all that it is. It's not there for a reason. And, and work is there to provide us with what we need to be generous. So the real benefit is in the giving, not in the money. Now, giving shows a lot about the giver's character. And I've got a little picture here that just popped up on my um, Facebook feed the other day. It says, when life blesses you financially, don't raise your standard of living. Raise your standard of giving. I thought that's pretty good because it's so easy to get a pay rise and start spending it on something. You get a bigger house or buy a new car or do something rather than actually thinking to yourself, why did I get that? Is that actually your barns being filled or your wine vats overflowing? And what do you do with that overflow if that's more than what you need? Now, I'm not saying give all of that away. It might just be that it's opportunity to do that. Give, giving shows a lot more about the giver's character as well. Okay? Generous people give without expecting anything in return. Okay? Um, it's not generous if you hope to get something back. Generous people see the world in a different way. They look out, they're more positive, more likely to succeed. And if you go back to those passages, there's no wonder that they're going to be more likely to succeed because they're being blessed, because they're being generous. Generous people trust the gift they're giving will bring great reward. I, mean, I don't know about you, but for, for me we, and, and Tegan, we've been given things at times and it's just the right time to get it. Rarely do you generous people give something to somebody and they may not even know the timing but that gift arrives just at the right time generous people have a lot of energy about them they give and get energy from being generous and the experience that they have from that and they're leaders other people follow generous people there's just something about generous people that others want to hang around with them so I'm going to ask the band to come up, if I can. Um, because there's a few key takeaways here. And they are, if you sow generous, generously, you will reap generously. It's not you might, it is you will. Be generous with a good attitude, because God loves a cheerful giver. And if you want anyone to love you, you want to make sure that God loves you. He does, but it just helps if you're generous with... A cheerful spirit. He will bless you abundantly and you will have all you need all the time without fail. So, like Kyle and Zig, these two people at the beginning who had a reason to help others, which was to actually help themselves. There's even a bigger reward for us, which happened a long, long time ago. We weren't alive. We certainly uh, weren't deserving of it. But the giver was God, the receiver was you, and the gift was Jesus. And I think that the examples that those other guys had are a small example of what happened back then. 
And our finances won't be changed and our generosity won't be changed unless we actually have a relationship with Jesus. We'll just do good things and you'll be a nice person. But that generosity that comes from your heart can't come from there unless you actually have Jesus there. And it says in John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That was the gift. That whoever believes in him will not die. And the reward is eternal life. And that's an amazing gift, better than anything anyone here could give you. And it happened such a long time ago. It was all pre-planned from the very beginning. Now, I don't know where any of you are today personally in your relationship with Jesus. I know a lot of people here, most people here, and that most of us are Christian. But it doesn't mean that we're not distant at the moment or maybe not as close as we have been in the past. But today is an opportunity. So I just want everyone to close their eyes. This is an opportunity today to make that trade. But what's happening is it's a trade up. And to accept the gift and to receive the blessing that you're entitled to, which actually came from this moment of giving, this massive moment of generosity way, way back, when Jesus died on the cross to take your sins. And he did that to bring all of us to this very moment in church here today to maybe just say sorry for the small things or to start a relationship, one of those big steps that you may need to take. So while everyone's got their eyes closed, as it said in the message, message version, I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own mind what you'll give. Is it something small? Is it something big? Is it your life? Is that a deal that you're willing to do with God or a trade to say, look, I'll give you my life? And I know that sounds like a massive step, but it's actually not. It's just a matter of raising your hand. You don't have to be ready for it. You don't have to have special clothes. But in doing that, what you will receive is a life of joy, peace, blessing, and ultimately, eternity with Jesus so I, I would like you just to think that through are you in a position today where you need to make a decision to come back into a relationship with Jesus to maybe start one and if you do just give me a little wave I'll be down the front we can talk about that afterwards we don't need to make a big deal about it right now is there anyone there who wants to actually put their hand up to make that decision. Thank you, God. Thank you. Mighty God, thank you that we have the opportunity to be generous. Thank you that you've actually put that in us, that you've shown us how to be generous, that we see examples of generosity each and every day. And Lord, I thank you that through our generosity, we will have our, our finances reset, that we won't ever have to worry about not having enough, that we'll never have to worry about being left short at any particular time, because Lord, you've gone before us, you know what concerns us, you know the desires of our heart, and Lord, I just ask that you help us reset those to a heart of generosity, so that Lord, we can actually live and be an example of you through being generous to those around us. Amen.